Radio. Hey everybody, time for another Code Pen Radio. This is 319. Uh, I have Shaw with me. What's up, Steven? Hey everybody. Hey, um, we're going to talk, you know, Steven and I, I maybe touch this the most, our pattern library, kind of like the code of it, you know, like Claire has a big part in like the design of the components and stuff, but we're going to, I think, talk about like how they manifest in our code base. We've talked about having a mono repo a number of times, twice at least in recent podcast history have we mentioned it or two more than the repos we have so (laughs) yeah it's a joke people you get it mono mono um one of the most important aspects of the mono repo to me i mean there's all these asks there's all these like advantages and stuff and as a matter of fact i feel like we're we're really like hitting the the groove state of how nice the mono repo is there's just like constantly pull requests against it and like whatever i'm working on whether it's project a or b or c it's like i'm not switching around repos and stuff it all just happens in the same place and it's starting to like feel really good we're like in that groove right now like well and and we just kind of reached a milestone of uh completing the library so to speak um that's right in terms of like we did have a bunch of uh like a library folder in like our main codepin website uh folder and then um we were kind of in process. That was the beginnings of this, wouldn't you say? Like we made it, we knew there was a certain kind of component that felt more like a library component than than any other kind of component. You know? Right. Things that were a little more abstract and like used in multiple places, not like intended for one specific page or one specific like area, yeah. um, but things used throughout the entire site, you know, buttons, menus, uh, mm-hmm. inputs, like all those kinds of things. We'd already done some abstraction um, in like our main repo, probably two years ago, I, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, we started that. And then um, this, now that we're moving into mono repo and like kind of trying to use these components in multiple places. Yeah, that was buried in project A, in which project B couldn't like reach in and get those library components. They had to be pulled out. Well, they were they were very much intended for like the exact webpack setup that the main the main site has and like uh, you know, relied on global styles a lot of times and so there there were just so many like weird intricacies to moving those elements out of that main main folder and into right. like more of an abstract uh setup and so we we finally kind of completed uh that yeah that that live that old library folder doesn't exist anymore right it is it is only cp library exactly. are we done no will we ever be done also no you know like this is a a living a living thing but you can imagine a button component right you're a, uh, that's what every design that's probably the starter canonical component to all design systems that really does belongs in a pattern library uh, because it, you know, it has so little state for the most part. It's just like, I don't know. I just want them to all look the same for the most part, even though there's a bunch of variations everywhere should be consistently using this. That way it's, you know, it's easy to update. It's easy to reason about and that kind of thing. So of course, button is present in our, in our new pattern, pattern library, but you know what else is 72 other things. We have 73 components so far in our in our global library, right? And what makes, again, like, let's put a point on it. What makes for 
a component that deserves to be in a in this library in this pattern library yeah i mean at bare minimum like it's used in more than one place is kind of or or it will be in the future um so it's kind of a a a pattern of sorts you know pattern pattern library uh but like this is you know something that has functionality or or like layout or whatever that applies in more than one place uh, to keep things consistent. Mm-hmm. And to, and for like speed in a way too, right? Like I don't have to invent these things when I use them. I can just right. pull and go. Right. And they not like none of these, for example, make a query. Absolutely right. not. None of these have any data asks they, at all. They might handle like a, the tiniest use state or like use effect kind of stuff for, uh, you okay, know. Yeah. Internal state, uh, but no. Right. External. But that, that's more about the functionality. Uh, and so like we have, we have some logic in some of these for like accessibility. We have some logic in these for like handling maybe like if a drop down is open and like that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's kind of uh, part of taking away the setup time in like a component that's actually going to be rendered on the page and you know kind of putting all that layout and the styles and things like that in the library component um to to handle that for you i think probably a hundred percent of these if not very close and if there's any ones that don't it's for a very good reason have uh scoped styles to them right like we use SAS, but we also use CSS modules. The, that's the important one that scopes the styles to the component so that there's no kind of clashes and overlaps. Um, all of these are styled. So they do have CSS, but they don't have data queries. You know, there's like a line in the sand there. And they're all, you know, I think all these are put to use. We didn't invent any of these patterns to not use them. It's not like we sat around and be like, we should probably have a modal and then just like invented a modal and invented an API for it and invented styling. No, 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 no. We did never did that. If anything, we made it work first somewhere else and like made it all janky and then did it two or three more times and found it to be a confusing (laughs) mess and then abstracted it into a modal. So there's nothing in here that's unused. We call that process refinement. It's, it's, (laughs) It's beautiful, Chris. Don't, don't make it sound bad. Uh, it is kind of beautiful because it, 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 in a way it's satisfying. It's like in the way that summer is satisfying now. You know, we went through so much garbage weather and now, although that's well, speak, what, speak exactly the opposite yeah. in Houston. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah that year. Well, let's do it alphabetically. Not that we're going to go through 73 of these, but I, I think it's interesting to not to, to talk in specifics about what's in here because it leads to some interesting conversations. The very first one alphabetically is badge. We have a few before button appears there. So badge is, it's like a span with a class on it essentially. So if you've seen on CodePen that little pro, P-R-O in all caps with yellow around it, we use that all over the place. Um, that's a badge, but even it has its own little abstraction, right? There's a badge and then there's a badge pro. <laughs> I yeah. wonder why we did that. Because I guess we use badges that don't say pro sometimes. Right. So. For like a status indicator, like active or, or you know, different different kind Canceled. of deployment, uh, deployed, yeah. like those kinds of things are, are wrapped in like this badge uh, component. Yeah. Why did uh, we make badge pro then? Just because it's we use it so much more often. That way you don't even have to think uh, about right, it. Right. Because it's, it's always going to be yellow. It's always going to say pro. And it's um, sometimes going to link out to 
the pro page. Um, And sometimes it doesn't like, oh, that's right. And we managed to complicate this thing even more where sometimes it's an SVG and sometimes it's literally web text with. Yeah, that's on its way out. Uh, It is, right. We'll we'll kill kill that off uh, sometime, but. Still, yeah, that's that's the that's the, the the very real nature of this is that it <laughs> sometimes your componentry don't don't represent an ideal perfection to you, and that they you iterate over the time. That's why I say, is this done? No, is it ever going to be done? No, because it's just a, it's always a work in progress. In fact, I threw a just yesterday threw a new one in here that's <laughs> barely usable, but it's just like a template for Stephen to fix later. Uh, then there's button. We already talked. Buttons are boring to talk about, but ours well, are. We, but- we do have some interesting bits with it. Like uh, buttons can be different sizes, so we have a specific sure. list of the sizes that can be that can be used. Sizes even, and we got to invent an API for that. Right? We don't. We get to say you have to pass a prop to the button. The prop is size, and it only accepts these values. Otherwise, you know, you can lint against that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I like how a pattern library gives you guardrails like yeah. that. It says this is the only acceptable things. If you want to size it, you do it like this, and there's only four, and that's that. And that was also an opportunity, like, to kind of move away from uh, like a bunch of classes. Uh, the, this was something that um, you know on keyframers, kind of David brings up all the all the time is is like getting into impossible states where you have like a button that has the class small and big. Like, what's going to win? Nobody mm. knows. Uh, so instead of using classes where you could have conflicting classes, uh, using data attributes instead. So like for our button sizes, it's a data size attribute. So it can only be many. It can only be big. It can only be small. Like, uh, and, and that that really helps. Um, not not necessarily with linting, but in terms of just like ensuring that there there aren't any conflicts. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it, you know, and then we we put a bunch of stuff on there that is important to us. Like we have a full width attribute. You you know, we don't need that, but it's nice. All you do is then is you're making a button and you slap that on as an attribute or prop or whatever, and it just uh, just does its thing and it just feels good. We also have a pretty consistent. We're, we're working in React here, so I'm sure, I don't know how this manifests in other frameworks, but I almost guarantee that it does. We do this thing where we spread the remaining props onto the DOM element at the end of all the rest of our props. And we do this pretty consistently across all our components. The idea being that it is a little escape hatch for better or worse, that if you want to override something that happens to happen on that component, that you have the ability to do that. And one of them could be a style attribute, which is kind of a sledgehammer. So if I really, really, really don't want many small, regular or big buttons, and I want super big, I can override, you know, with literal inline styles. At least it's there. You know, it's not encouraged necessarily, but, you know, I don't hate the idea of one-offs. I think one-offs are a, a, the, give a website the ability to be interesting. Right. Well, and we, and we do, like, pass through uh, the class name. So if you set a class name on, on a library component, it will add that class in addition to like its its main uh, style classes yeah. and everything. So you don't so have that, to use inline styles. You can r- use real CSS right. as well. 
And I think a lot of people would disagree with uh, like spreading the the props on there because like you should have this very strict API and all that. But I I think especially for for you and me, at least like the DOM is kind of what's important. Like we, we want to deal with a specific element. We want to deal with like the native APIs as much as possible. And so being able to like treat it as a DOM element where you can add attributes and and do those proper things like that, that's going to make it more flexible for us, even if it's um, less, less like rigid or like, you know, in the spirit of that, I like how, and I've been following in footsteps here, but I just had to do this today for a component. Was it today? It was one of these recent days where, and again, again, sorry, this is a specific React thing. So sorry, people that don't care about React, but you put a forward ref on Mm. things that are very clearly like a DOM element specifically that you may, maybe want to grab at some point and like a button works out in that way because our buttons manifest themselves as either a button or an a you know it's like either either or um i don't think you can specify further than that but we do have some components where it'll just take whatever you can pass yeah. it you can make it an li or a well, div that, that or is one uh one common pattern we've done uh with things where it's not important what kind of dom element it is like it could it could be a div it could be a button it could be whatever you know like not that that's necessarily good practice but for for more like informational kind of wrappers like a modal you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a div it could be a form you know like that that doesn't matter um ultimately yes uh to to like the library component itself um so we give it a component property that you can um, that you can add to it, and you can specify like this should render as yeah. a, a list item or I think a that link. Makes it very nicely adaptable. I don't use it all the time. If I want, if it, if it, you know, if, if it really needs to be a specific element, we should force it. But there is, there's plenty of things in here where that's not the case. You know, div versus section is a good example of that. Well, and it, it even works for like passing through uh, another component. Um, you can. For, for instance, uh, one of our library uh, components is something called click outside detector. Oh, yeah. That, this is an interesting, weird one. This probably doesn't have any CSS. Yeah, this uh, right. Th- this one, there's there's not really any styles. It's, it's mainly just kind of event listeners. Um, so that when it has like an active attribute or so- something like that, I forget the it's exact listen, one. Listen, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, listen. Um, when, that, uh, when that is applied, um, then it's watching all the uh, click events and like even tab events and, and different things like that uh, on the page so that if any activity happens outside of that element and its children, then it will, you know, trigger some you kind of action. callback, which probably means close the thing. <laughs> right, exactly. So like for modals or drop downs or something like that, you don't want those to stay open if somebody clicks yeah. outside of them. Like that's a pretty common pattern. Um, so we have this click outside detector uh, that by default, it could be a div, uh, but you could also pass in like a specific component. Like if you've got an input, you could pass in that input. And if somebody clicks outside, then it triggers triggers something. Um, so a lot of a lot of great ways to use that pattern. It's awesome. I love that component. It's really, it's really well written, I think. It's probably our third or fourth iteration of the thing at this point. But yeah, I, th- I think I think Rach uh, <laughs> is responsible for a good bit of that. Yeah, it's good. Good job, Rach. That is a that is a beautiful component with a good API. My criticism of the listen attribute is like you have to put it. Like I this guy I had this problem 
the other day where I, I just was using it and I forgot to put the listen attribute and it wasn't working. I'm like, why isn't it working? Because you'd think that listen, should, it, it should just, if you're using the click outside detector, it should by default, you know, be listening, but it doesn't by default. You have to put the listen attribute if you want it to work. And I would think that would be the opposite that you would be like, Ignore. if you want to turn it off for some reason, you'd put don't listen or listen <laughs> false or something. Yeah. Oh, or at least just defaulting. Yeah. Defaulting to listen true. To uh, true but and, yeah. yeah, I think, I think just over time, like how that's been abstracted and built upon and, and all that, like the original purpose for it, uh, was like modals, uh, more than yeah. likely. And so like it, it needed to wait for the modal to be open, like to, to listen. And so, yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by me, your code pen radio editor, Chris Enns. Rather than me telling you all about what I do and how I can save you time editing your podcasts, I thought I'd let my clients talk about the thing they most enjoy being able to do since they hired me to edit their podcasts. All right, Chris, how are you, sir? Uh, notice that there's sound effect to start and a sound bite from my guest. So uh, we'll pause for that. Three, two, one. This is going to be a tough one for you, Chris. And sorry about that. Do what you can. Okay, I'm going to dive into web components. I just think it's that's a good sign. We'll let that pass, and we'll edit this out. Um, oh, oh, that's my dog. I apologize. We'll yeah. fix that in post. <laughs> Doggy thinks CSS three should be a thing. Anyway, no, he's know. big into CSS four. It's just the way it is. But you sound good, Dave. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Plus, we have the masterful Chris Ends on audio engineering. All right, I think this is a good spot to take a break. So let's take a brief break. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, catch your breath, right? Chris, edit here and. Uh, Oh, man. Chris, just erase that last part. <laughs> you know, Chris edits this thing too, right? He does. So he's got a heavy hand with his edits. He makes us sound really smart. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hold on. Let me start that over. I'm going to ask Chris Enns to cut that out. Chris, let me just find this word. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Right. Chris is our uh, our editor. Whenever we're like just like frustrated with something, we just blame Chris for it. <laughs> it's just like our imagination. It's imagination. Yeah, blame Chris. That's good. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Chris. We love you. <laughs> Chris, we're going to now have to make this uh, an explicit episode. Chris, have fun with this episode. Yes. <laughs> Chris is so good at editing and it just made, doesn't, doesn't make sense for me to do it. Yeah, we'll just send it to him. But if you have any moments too where you're like, oops, I just misspoke, you can always just say like, Chris. Okay. <laughs> Please, Chris. Okay. Please, Chris, help us. I will tell Christopher Enns, our sound guy, to take this out. Nope, that's not the way it worked. Um... <laughs> Chris, will you go back to David and edit that part out? I'm going to start over. Yeah. Am I pink or are yeah. you pink? You're, you're, oh. you're pink. <laughs> I totally <laughs> that all up, didn't I? Doesn't matter. That's why we have Chris. My bad, Chris. Sorry about that. Yep. Sorry. You'll have to cut this out, Chris. Delete everything we just said, Chris. Thanks, Chris. You're cool. Bye. So whether you've got a weekly show that you want help with or you want to do a 10-episode run of an idea you've got, get in touch with me, Chris Enns, at lemonproductions.ca. And be sure to mention hearing this on CodePen Radio for 50% off your first episode. So we talked about some pretty micro stuff, like a badge and a button, 
in like the Brad Frosty kind of molecular design, whatever stuff, like those are little ones, but it doesn't mean that all pattern library components are that micro. They can be combinations of those things. And they, for example, could de- certainly use a click outside detector. I think of the, like a button with drop down. That's one that will have state because the drop down is either open or closed. So sure, that's a little used state and it's state that almost certainly will never be globalized. Like that's a perfect use case for use state in React. Uh, and also has, pr- doesn't it have a click outside detector? Try it. Right, it yeah. So so pretty much anything yeah, that's using a dropdown or a menu or a modal has like a click outside detector built in and uh, and, we'll, and we'll close that. And then like for dropdowns, um, we do have like some abstraction so that uh, it can handle its own state or you can pass in a state. So there's a drop down. Uh, is this kind uh, of like the controlled versus uncontrolled concept? Right. Mm-hmm. So drop down, like just a, a plain drop down library component, like it expects you to pass through, like, is it open or is it closed? So that if you had some kind of weird trigger or, you know, you're using like GraphQL to handle the state for it for some reason, um, you could do that. Or you can use a drop down controlled uh, component to, um, to kind of handle all of that uh, for you. Or maybe it's reversed. I, I always forget how I named that, and that's bad. But yeah. And then there's like, there's even drop down content, which is like the box that you put stuff in that you don't have to use. But if you do use it, it's the thing that has styles on it that are probably consistent around the rest of the site and have even like some animation stuff tied to it. Like they fade in and they fade out. Right. Um, which is just, you know, it's nice to just, if you use that, you get that nice look. And if you want control, you can take control. So pretty, yeah. pretty successful little concept there. But yeah, you can even see the button with dropdown. So that's using dropdown. It's using dropdown content. It's using button. It's using icon. You know, it's a bunch of stuff smashed, smashed together, uh, which is totally fine. That's good. You know, that you have little different entrance points to to componentry. Well, I, I think design design libraries and pattern libraries are often like compared with Legos. You know, like they're it, it's like the little Lego bits that you put together to build like the model. Um, and uh, it kind of makes me think of like a Lego instruction manual where you have like these little breakout sections where it's like, hey, build this and then add it to the model. Um, these mm. these kind of library components. It takes a bunch of these little pieces, puts them together, and then you add it into your page or whatever uh, because it's it's kind of handling a bunch of stuff for you that if you tried to add them each individually, it becomes a pain. But if they're all yeah. chunked together, it's, it makes so it a little doesn't, more sense. I like that it almost avoids, not that conversations are bad, but it, it doesn't, you don't, you, we aren't saying in this library, like this library exists at one level of abstraction only. <laughs> right. Atomic it's level. Like, no, it's, it exists at whatever level of extraction you want it to. Whatever we documented, it. it's not so massive that you know it needs any kind of. I mean, maybe we'll get to that point, but I kind of doubt it, especially since you can, I don't know, look at examples so clearly throughout the site. Not to mention, you built your own little storybook kind of thing that just gives us a, a literal menu of ones that you can look at. Yeah, I, I looked at storybook, but the integration of it was going to be a huge pain for our our setup and so i just wrote a simple like couple pages of of stuff and next uh to render it out um all right well here's here's an a, a type of component that is that isn't necessarily like 
uh, I don't know, a primitive that you'd expect to be on every site, but we have all, there's probably, I don't know, six or seven of these ones that all have to do with controls and controls are just a grouping of form like elements, but they're, you know, they're not unique to CodePen and that no other website has these, but they're just like, they're just like a aesthetic style of filtering essentially that we is pretty common on CodePen, and so we just decided to call them controls and always reach for these controls like elements when we're building a piece of ui that's like that yeah they're, they're kind of like little toolbars you know like in microsoft word or, or whatever the the little little toolbars that might have like bold or italic or whatever you know like uh, it's that kind of pattern, but for CodePen, that usually manifests as like filtering options, like view options, um, yeah. searching, and you know, like that that kind of stuff. Like the assets page or your work pages mm-hmm. um, use use these pretty heavily. So we have patterns within that uh, for for specific buttons because these these buttons have a little more um, uh, a little more specific styling um, than our main button component. Um, and there's also uh, like different kinds of inputs, like selects and uh, and drop downs and and uh, toggles and and those kinds of things that really only manifest in these kind of control bars. So it's it's almost like a namespace, like a little sub library um, for this this specific use case. That's good. That's one of my favorite parts about pattern libraries is that you get to invent what is important to you and your company yeah at, at one point we discussed like do we just use material like the material google ui components like they're well tested there's a lot of advantages to it mm-hmm. but they're just also a lot you know like it's not and it's not necessarily stuff that we that we need or will use and of course that'll get tree shooken out uh and but uh for for us like being able to understand the internals of it, being able to uh, heavily control the style and the functionality of it is is really important because that's ninety percent of our site is what you know the the UI, like how people are interacting with it and using it. I almost find it a little too bad that we can't pluck out pat- pre-existing patterns and use them more easily than we can. So an example of this is, I think, I think it was last week. I put the tabs in there, like like how tabs weren't already in there is a surprise to me because we use tabs all over CodePen. It just wasn't yet. You know, it's one of the ones that we needed to, we needed to build. And then once it's built, we can go replace existing ones on the site or whatever. But we need a little time to get these to shake out. I wanted to reach off the shelf and it's not like we've never reached off the shelf in fact uh, you know steven really did the bulk of the work on this but we have new uh, toast messages on code pen if you happen to notice them you should because they're beautiful i think they're the little message that they just want they just need to tell you something and then go away on the page and it turns out we do that like a lot on code pen for example pen saved is probably the one you'll probably see the most but there's well i don't know a hundred maybe yeah. probably different ones throughout the site we really really did reach off the shelf. We used React Hot Toast, which is a great name. But even then, it's still pretty, pretty heavily customized. But that's maybe the (laughs) one-ish example of off-the-shelf usage of componentry. Yeah, it it feels like everything else is is a lot more... native like it you know deals deals with the dom it, and that's probably has to do a lot with like how codepen was built initially with like uh ruby on rails and jquery 
And then as we moved into React, we kind of took a lot of those concepts and just like migrated them over into React yeah. code. Um, and, and so like we've kind of built upon um, that foundation and gotten here rather than just like starting from scratch with React, like, okay, well, let's pull in all these modules and like pull in all these, all these different things that uh, these packages that would, that would, you know, potentially work. But uh, yeah, being able to deal with the DOM directly, being able to control it and being able to like make sure the style really matches and, and is consistent throughout has been kind of the goal mm-hmm. here. So when I was reach for the tabs, that was part of what was on my mind. So I, I saw, like Toast, I was like, you know what? I can name at least two really good tab libraries that are accessible and have nice APIs and, you know, are obviously in React already and stuff. Uh, and it ended up, I ended up not, I grabbed them and then t- like rewrote them. And the ones we based it on are ones that are really literally called React tabs that are by the React team, I think, or at least their repo on GitHub is literally in the React, um, what do you call it, organization or whatever. But they were class components, so they're a little old. They used a class name library that we didn't use, and that somehow bothers me to like pull in two different class name libraries, you know. It had some features that we didn't need, but were otherwise pretty good. So I dropped them in there. So our API is essentially the same, but are a lot rewritten. And I don't know that they're perfect yet. In fact, I I, I can think of at least one little bug with them that I'd like to fix before we used them. These aren't even on production yet anyway. It's a little weird because like if they ship an update to them or something, we're not going to get that, you know. But yeah, do I really care? I mean, I'd have to look at what the update actually did because these, a lot of times these components are just, they just do what they do, you know? Maybe they'll never change. Or if they, if they do change, like it might be a breaking change. And yeah, that's uh, a whole nother can of worms. Ah, see, that's a good point. So I don't really regret putting these in our own system. It also meant, you know, for example, the way they styled them, they just imported a style sheet in Webpack, you know, in that kind of raw import, like import quote, style.css quote, just like assuming your Webpack knows how to deal with that, which I think it generally does, but we just don't do that in our world. Well, and in and, and Next, and uh, like the Next stuff that we're working on, like Next hates that. It's like, don't do that. That's global styles. We we don't want you to. Right. So I just don't didn't use their styles. I looked at them and saw what you know, but they were just trying to ship as minimal of styles as possible anyway. So I think they're expecting you to do your own thing. But we use CSS modules. So the way that our tabs element manifests is not one but four elements. It's tabs, the whole outside wrapper. There's a tab list, I think, which can is a you know, the group around individual tabs and then tab panels, which don't have a parent for some reason. So there's four different tab elements and each one of them has their own scoped styles to them, which honestly, I just prefer. I think that's a nice way to operate. So anyway, don't hate them. They're not amazing yet, but that was an example of like wanting to sort of reach outside, but then in the end, not really because all of our components are so the same. They're easy to reason about. They're, they're not that different from each other. They're, you know, 
they won't break unless we break them. They also won't improve unless we improve them. And, uh, <laughs> but that's that's worth the worth the risk, I think. All right. Which other ones of these catch your eye as interesting library components? Uh, well, we have a lot of like standard input, uh, checkbox, uh, radio, and select mm. um, things that. Primarily, it's about the styling of those. Uh, we try to use like the native, um, the native elements as as much as possible um, for for those. Are like, checkboxes even styled? I don't even think they are. I, I don't think we have much. Maybe a little alignment because um, that that at least was a big issue uh, cross browser uh, for a while. I don't I don't know that that's as much of an issue anymore. Those are nice to have. It just feels good to know that you can you can reach across the whole site so well yeah. with componentry like this and, and update things. The, the one of, of like that category of like inputs uh, that is heavily custom is our toggle. Um, you've seen oh, yeah. these all over CodePen, uh, like toggling public to private or changing your settings like from on to off. Um, it's a checkbox under the hood, right? Uh, right. So it's it's a checkbox wrapped with uh, some other elements and labels and different things like that that um, give you like the visual style of kind of those iOS toggles, like a little circle inside of a um, oblong circle, a pill shape uh, that moves back and forth um, and, and possibly changes color, possibly doesn't based on an attribute you pass it. Right. So there's a bunch of API props, right? That are like, is this an ambiguous toggle? Does it have a left label? Does it have a right label? Does it, you know, have an upsell? Is it whatever? Yeah. There's a lot to that component. That one's a, that one's a beast. Yeah. I wonder how we're doing on that one. It seems, I don't know. I I think there's even been blog posts written about our toggle before. <laughs> oh no. Uh... It's a checkbox a checkbox can only have one label, right? right? So like whatever you click, it just, re- it just changes what it was just is off to on or off to or on to off. Yeah. And that's it sometimes breaks people's mental model of if I click the right side, it should move to the right side. And if I click to the left side, it should click to the left side. Yeah. That, this is, uh, I was looking at, um, these uh, a few weeks ago, like uh, cleaning up some styles and, and doing some different things because we were using it in a different way. And it, uh, I wanted to make sure that we supported that properly. And, um, you know, I got, I got to thinking about the accessibility of it. I, I think overall, like it does, it does okay. Um, but it's still, it's still not great. And there is like a specific pattern, um, for doing toggles like this, um, for accessibility, so it'd be good to migrate to that in the in the future. Um, it's it's really like a button, uh, a button element. And oh, really? I was gonna say it would make more sense to have radio because you could have a separate label for each choice. Oh, yeah. No, it's a switch. Well, it's a, it's yeah, it's a button uh, with the role of switch, and then you you give it like oh area gosh. checked uh, as the. As kind Holy of the cow. main attribute, like yeah, controlling we should that. switch to that. If that's the official way, that's the official way. Yeah, I, it, it looks like a pretty good pattern, and it would it would fit well within our current setup. It, it's still kind of weird to me that like the labels are just kind of in there. They're you know they're like bo- they're just both in there, in right? Way. They're just both in there, and it's not really indicated like which is for the mm. off state and which isn't. Um, yeah, but it also I- breaks my brain that like without JavaScript, and uh, this is almost irrelevant on CodePen because it's freaking React rendered. So like it's 
going to, although that's not entirely fair because some of this is going to manifest as a server-side rendered next app. So some of this is just going to hit HTML to the site that a button like this with no JavaScript that doesn't run, what that's super useless. Well, in the same way that our checkbox would, would be, I mean, I guess if you were in like a form and you unchecked it, and you know submit it it would still work but well and then how do you see how do you like visualize the which which of the two states it's in yeah well we would we would control that based on that area checked attribute instead of the like oh uh, your check. css would right. hide or show which of those two labels is showing or yeah. or, okay. or just uh we would have within our our button the same kind of setup of like you know these wrapper elements that actually render the circle in the in the pill shape um that it moves around in so yeah it, it'd take a little bit of adjusting but i think we'd we'd uh be okay you know what's uh, cool you only have to do it once and then test and test and test. Yeah, but it's not like sprinkled yeah. through the app a billion times, you know? That's you know, right at the beginning I mentioned the badge element. That's one of those ones is like why did you even bother? Why don't you just put class equals badge and then it's a badge? Like why do you why do we bother with this abstraction layer? And it's just like because then you don't like literally you change the badge. I mean, I guess you that you just change the class and they all change. But still, there's something like extra powerful about controlling the HTML and the CSS, you know, together in this in this abstraction. Well, especially for a toggle like that, there's like f- probably four elements, four or five elements that all need very specific styling and need to be in a very specific order. And uh, before we actually abstracted this and moved it to the library, there were a lot of instances in our React components where we had just like copied that whole setup and had some global styles, uh, you know, some global classes on it to to make that actually work and, and look right. And it was just, uh, it was very satisfying to replace that with one library component and, and keep that consistent. Yeah, yeah. Very, very satisfying. Pretty cool. So yeah, the more complicated a, a component gets, the more obvious the abstraction is valuable. But even the really simple ones, you know, like if somebody was like, we should track how many times people click on a badge or something with well, there's one component, add a click handler, done. You know, you don't have to be like, well, let me scour through the app to find all the badges and make sure we wire them up correctly or whatever. I guess even then I'm talking myself out of it because I'm like, you've heard of event delegation, haven't you, Chris? Yes, but what about, what's the bubble, stop bubble, prevent? Oh, yeah, stop propagation. and Propagation, uh, yeah. What yeah. about that? You ever think of that? All right, well, that's our, that's a kind of a, a, a an audio walkthrough <laughs> of our <laughs> pattern library, um, which I feel like has been a big success and is, is kind of mostly done, but will never be truly done because as we build out areas of the site, it's, it's becoming, it's really, I think all of us are really, uh, understand this and know when to add to it, when to change it and, and all that. And it's going to make us quick. It's already, it already is. I think the the gains for being able to build quickly and consistently are have already arrived. Yeah. Alrighty. See you later, folks. Bye.
seven six zero 